drink beer, think beer. You're listening to Brewblood. Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. <laughs> Episode 95 of Brewbloods. You're always so religious. Very religious. Yeah. I'm constantly nailing things to the front of church doors. That's, That's from true. Martin Luther. Did I not say that? It's from <laughs> Martin Luther. Yeah, and you just, uh, no, you didn't say who it was from. Yeah, actually. Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther the king, yeah. but Mar- the original Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther Vandross? Yeah, not Martin Luther Vandross either. Yeah. The mashup <laughs> right. of Martin Luther and Luther Vandross. It's like a two-face situation where they're <laughs> half and half. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that should be the next two-face, the next Batman. <laughs> exactly. Half Luther Vandross, high voice, and <laughs> right. half religious nut. Yes. Welcome to episode 95 of Bloods. My name is Mark, joined by Dustin, my constant companion. And joined by a good friend all around us. Yeah, we are joined uh, by a good friend. Not all good the, friends, uh, just one friend. All of the noise and all of the activity you hear, that comes from our local eatery. Because we are, once again, at Good Friend, our home yeah. away from home. Where else do we go? Our, our pretty carrier. much, ever since your wife kicked me out of your house for podcasting, yeah. we pretty much go to my backyard, or we come here. That's right. That's about all we do. It's our carousel of charcuterie, <laughs> or our burger bodega. I need to get back in her good graces, so I'm allowed in the house again. It won't happen. I don't know I don't know what I need to do, but there we'll try be, to figure it out. There will be no peace no. Okay. in that relationship. Fair enough. So today we got a very special episode, and we're going to get to the meat. It's before so we, special. We're going to get to the meat before we get to the potatoes first, because people are here. They want to hear the interview we've got coming up with uh, Fred Rizzo, the head brewer of Avery Brewing out and of that Colorado. Is the, the tasty, delicious meat. It is the tasty, the the filet the mignon, savory. the medium rare filet mignon. Yes. The, uh, the tenderloin bits. That's right. The Kobe steak. <laughs> right. Grass the wagyu fed, beef of the episode. The wagyu beef lotions <laughs> rubbed into it. Every day, this is what they tune in to, to yeah. hear our analogies yeah. of meat. All right, they did. They tuned in for our descriptions of how we massage Fred Rizzo into getting an interview. Absolutely, because I I did well, when I, once I got there. Yes, yeah. I took him out to the grass plains in Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, and I rubbed lotions and butter into him. <laughs> and finally, he agreed to do an interview and lots, and lots of meat. Yes, I rubbed him with raw did meat you rub as well. Him with Kobe steaks, <laughs> of course. I fed him lots of raw meats. That's how we've gotten everyone else. That's yeah. how we got Pedicolas on. That's how yeah. Win Bams. It was all about steak. It, it's a very good. It's how we secure so many good interviews in the right. show. Yeah. Um, the guy so, came down from Founders just right. because he knew about just the steak. Just because he knew we would rub him with raw meat. Yeah, exactly. And butter. So I went to Colorado. We went there to check out the state of Colorado to see if maybe someday we might want to live there. Yeah. And we'll get into the review of Colorado itself later, specifically Denver later. But the when it comes to Avery. I got really lucky, and I felt very hashtag blessed. And he also went and interviewed people from Avery. I did. Uh, he got felt, lucky, then did that. Yeah. I felt hashtag blessed to right. uh, be given this interview by Avery. It was pretty awesome. I uh, went to, drove well, my my uh, wife, your constant enemy. Yes. Uh, drove, or she went, she went to Denver that day and hung out with her friend in Denver. And so I headed up to Boulder, which was, uh, was about 45 minutes away, nestled in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Beautiful, beautiful drive. Okay. And I went to the Avery campus out there. It's it's out in Boulder. And it's kind of out on the outskirts of Boulder, it seems like, because I didn't seem to go into Boulder proper. You don't realize that you did? Uh, I don't think I did. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise Bol- Boulder's really tiny. I'm going to say, otherwise, Boulder's just a popcorn fart in Denver. That right. it's, we've been deceived into believing how big it is. What is a popcorn fart exactly? It's a, it's a small, tiny fart. Oh, okay. That smells delicious. It smells like popcorn. So I just want to say it's a great interview. Yeah. Uh, Fred was great. I. 
spent a little time. I got there early, so I walked around the campus. Uh, they have kind of a self-guide. You can take That's the brewery tour, yeah. um, or you can just walk around however you want to throughout the brewery. So that was cool. If you want to see some video I shot, I should, within a couple of days of this airing, uh, put up some video of walking around the brewery and a little bit of Fred. I had a, the last-minute inspiration yeah. as in our lightning round to take some video, which I should have done the entire time, cause, but I'm an idiot, so I didn't do that. Yeah, you know, it's a new thing. Um, but, I mean, the nice thing was they gave me this employee armband, so I got all the beer I wanted. Did you suckle a tap? I, I did. I suckled okay. directly from the Uncle Jacob tap. That makes sense. It's kind of like what we did in the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, with their one, uh, the one stout they had on tap. Yeah. When everyone else hated it and left, we're like... We're just going to go ahead and drink this keep on drink, Keep on pouring. And but we almost did. If you want to hear um, about Denver and about the beers they drank at Avery, we'll do that after the Fred yeah. Rizzo interview. But I Those was, are the potatoes, Mark. <laughs> those are the potatoes. Yeah. And the desserts. Not a great dessert, but a dessert nonetheless. <laughs> so I just want to say thanks to like all the... It's flan or something. Thanks to everybody at Avery. They were awesome. Um, very welcoming. Yeah. Uh, gave me a beer straight away. Didn't charge me for anything, which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Fred for spending a good amount of time with me out on the patio of Avery Brewing. So today I'm at Avery Brewing Company, uh, part of uh, Boulder, Colorado. Are you, are you properly in Boulder or are you outside of Boulder? Uh, we are technically in Boulder. This is Gun Barrel, but it's still uh, very much a uh, Boulder address, just okay. kind of um, an association of, of North Boulder. So what are you drinking today? I'm drinking the uh, new tequila service. Oh, excellent. Is yeah, it Cerberus or Cerberus? Uh, I think it's, uh, yes, Cerberus. <laughs> Cerberus, yeah. I, honestly, I lose track. Uh, I'm drinking Joe's Pilsner, one of my favorites. Um, back on tap today, and uh, pretty excited about it. So, yeah. diving back into some Joe's, always a great, great go-to. One of my favorite beers that we make. So, and I should mention, I'm, <laughs> I didn't introduce you. This is Fred Rizzo, head brewer yeah, at yeah. Avery Brewing. So, the tequila service. This was actually uh, you guys tweeted us. I think it was yesterday or somebody. Somebody was somebody was asking for something to be brought to Alaska or something like that on Twitter, and we were part of that tweet storm or whatever. And they were mentioning that this one's about to be released. So I'm, I'm kind of curious as far as following beer trends. How do you guys, I mean, sours are obviously like an up and coming genre, have been for a little bit. How do you guys decide when to pivot and how hard is that to change at a brewery, of the craft brewery of this size? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, we kind of have our staples. We have the, the raspberry sour, which is kind of what we're trying to be a continual release throughout the year. Um, kind of moving a little way, a little further away from from the seasonal aspect with that and having it available at all times. Um, but really, it's um, we kind of just sit around in the R&D meeting and, and we brainstorm what, what we kind of think might be interesting, what we feel like drinking, and, um, and also, obviously, what we think people are, are looking for. So we kind of mm. try to break the barriers quite a bit and uh tequila barrels have been uh been a pretty cool approach for us we kind of latched onto that pretty pretty hard i mean i think we have one of the larger inventories of tequila barrels Mm -hmm. um in the industry and and they've just they they definitely um they bring bring some pretty interesting profiles to the table um obviously fresh bourbon barrels are delicious Mm -hmm. we do a lot with rum barrels fresh wine but kind of diving into the fresh tequila barrel has been fun for us. So we, we, we've kind of been sticking that for a little while. Obviously, the, the, the majority of our sours are still in wine barrels. But, um, yeah, just something different and 
something fun. Yeah, it's nice to see because I know there, a few years ago there was a bourbon barrel shortage. And so it seemed like that motivated people, especially some of the smaller guys, who had a harder time getting hold of those, those uh, bourbon barrels to kind of diversify and try something else. So one of our local brewers in Dallas, Liquid, they did a, a tequila IPA a couple years ago. It was a very limited release, but they started trying to do And then they, they and Deep Elma branched out into, you know, Cabernet barrels and stuff like that. So I think it kind of motivated people to try to find other barrels to experiment with. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just fun for us just to kind of branch out and, tr- and try new new versions. I mean, we do stuff with uh, scotch barrels and port barrels, and, um, yeah, we just kind of try to see, branch out and see what works. But, yeah, we definitely get, we're getting truckloads of 300-plus bourbon barrels at a time. Wow. We have a pretty good lock on those yeah. through uh, Rocky Mountain Barrel Company, which they've been great for us, and so... Bourbon barrels are are, uh, are kind of easy to come by, I suppose, just yeah. maybe based on our size and the the, the amount that we purchase. But right. uh, it's fun to still branch out and try something new. So, so does your we're sitting here just outside the tap room. Does it act as when you guys come up with a new idea? Do you pilot it here first and see how it sells before you decide to mass market something like the the tequila service? Um, not really. <laughs> we kind of just go for it. Yeah, just see what uh, sticks. Yeah, we get a general idea of what we want to do, and mm. um, we kind of commit to it and make it as, as well as we can and uh, hope the public um, understands what we're trying to do, which <laughs> yeah. sometimes they do, and um, and sometimes, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we're not guaranteed every time, but it's, it's just a fun experimental process on yeah. our end, and um, we actually, our, our pilot system is our... 100 hectoliter brew house okay. so we don't have uh, a, a small volume to to give these a whirl with and um yeah we just kind of kind of go for it but we have a pretty good idea of what we're shooting for right. with the end product and so hopefully you, it works out I, I was looking at your website and uh i noticed so you're the head brewer and you have three special projects brewers under are they underneath you or are they sort of parallel to you um not technically i mean i um i'm i'm responsible for all of our war production and I still, I mean, I'm in the R&D meetings, and right. um, I do process development and contract all of our raw materials. So uh, special projects are, yeah, something that I'm a handful of us collaborate on. Um, it's uh, it's kind of a, a, a separate entity, but um, a collaborative approach for right. sure. So yeah, it's definitely influenced what what we're the end result in and making some other fun ideas actually um, work in a yeah. <laughs> in a in a production environment. Right. Um, but yeah, no, they're they're we all kind of sit around the table and do some ideation. Um, yeah, so it's kind you, of uh, everything under one umbrella. But I'm I'm by no means uh, dictating what they do on right. a daily basis. So so you don't have I mean. Do you have like the final yes or no on a project? Like if they say we want to do something wild and crazy. I mean, yeah, not really. I mean, really? honestly, it really is a collaborative um, yeah. approach, and there is a special projects manager, and then we right. have obviously Andy Parker, who's been a lead barrel herder for many years. And I mean, I, I've been here for over ten years, and it was our barrel department was him and I alone for over two years and mm. it's obviously grown to the beast that it uh, that it is today um but it is definitely a collaborative effort and um it's mostly hashed out in our r&d meetings right um kind of the the projects we're going to pursue um and then we have a, a separate meeting 
So my day is mostly consisting of meetings, yeah. uh, of process yeah. development, and that's kind of where uh, only five of us sit down at a table and actually figure out how to uh, actually make these beers. So it's fun to come up with the idea and have a bunch of fun new new ideas floating around but they have to also function with our with our brewery mm -hmm. and um that doesn't come easily so there's there's that aspect of it which is uh pretty key because you can come up with all the ideas that you can but if if they can't be processed right. in your facility then they kind of don't mean anything but um yeah is so. there is there something is there a beer like a wild and crazy beer that you wanted to do, but you couldn't make work in the brewery that you really wanted to do? Um, honestly, we haven't found one yet. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have some pretty fun equipment to uh, do some pretty wild stuff. So, yeah, yeah we, we haven't come up with that yet. <laughs> Although I know it's out there, and yeah. we'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll find your limit eventually. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back. Like, Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Vermont. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. Um, so, yeah, great, uh, a great craft brewing mm -hmm. industry there, and I still think to this day, we have the most craft breweries per capita, Yeah, uh, which is because we beautifully have uh, no people who live there. That's <laughs> why I love it so much. And um, my dad was a huge wine nerd, um, turned craft beer guy. So I, I just, well before um, legal drinking age, mm -hmm. which obviously uh, I may have uh, had a few beers before <laughs> that. Uh, we only had craft beer in in the fridge, and um, still to this day, we have a little bar downstairs, and it's constantly tapped with with delicious New England craft beers. And um, yeah, I've just kind of always been exposed to the, been the craft beer realm, and that kind of was my stepping stone to yeah. realize that this is something that I had a really appreciated and loved. And um, yeah, I went went to school for business, mm -hmm. so not related necessarily to, yeah. the, to the brewing industry but is is now i guess in my yeah. current position but uh yeah just always loved um love craft beer and yeah there was a uh how old are you by the way uh i'm 33 okay so you weren't around when uh home brewing became legal obviously yeah in the late 70s exactly. uh, we 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 taught dinner interview with an author tim matson who was around back then back when home brewing was still illegal and he talked about all the crazy stuff they used to put into their beers like you know uh, bark from trees and stuff like that and get really really crazy with it and uh he has such a fondness for that era he's like i don't drink any any uh mainstream craft beer anymore i still just make all my own he's still yeah, yeah. way into that he has a, a book of like kind of crazy homebrewing stories from back then before it became legal yeah no that's awesome yeah absolutely. yeah and he but, was up in vermont as well yeah cool yeah it's it's uh it was definitely i feel like one of these pioneer states of of the craft beer movement back yeah. in the day and um yeah it's been it's been fun to watch develop but yeah, I'm still not afraid to drink 37 Coors Originals either. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're absolutely delicious. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to kind of, um, I think it's it's kind of key to understand the whole process to appreciate what some of the bigger guys are doing as well. Well, I think it's a, I, I think it's impressive that, they, I mean, as long as they've been around, they obviously have it down pat. But to be able to continually produce the same product consistently, yeah. Yeah. that many units you're selling, I mean, it's it's admirable in its own way. Yeah, absolutely. It's That's by far the the biggest challenge that any brewery has is creating consistent beer yeah. and and to do it at that scale is is uh is pretty impressive yeah we talked i talked to one of their tasters once and everybody thinks well i'd love to be a crap beer or a beer taster but she's like and she worked for cores or somebody and she was like you can't you can't believe how boring it is at this point <laughs> you know it's just you're tasting the same cores light over yeah, and over again sure. batch after yeah. batch just to make sure yeah. it, it tastes all right yeah definitely definitely part of our sensory department as well and uh 
it's a little more exciting with us when, yeah. we, when we have a New bunch styles, of different yeah. beers going through and it's not the same beer every single time but so what brought you west to colorado uh it's a great question um nothing in particular yeah just kind of wanted to uh i had grown up and gone to school exclusively in new england and mm. uh which i love to death but um my now wife and i just kind of wanted to switch it up a little bit and see what was going on out here and flew out right after graduation and kind of toured around and realized this probably be pretty all right and uh i ended up making the move and it's been almost 11 years to this point and uh so yeah it's still was, doing pretty pretty great was avery your first job out of school uh, it was. Wow, that's it was. That I started cool. here when I was 22. That was in 2006, right? That was in 2006. Yeah, yeah when I was just um, uh, uh, not that much has changed, but a spillover drunk from college and <laughs> wanted to work <laughs> yeah. in the brewing industry. And right. uh, they were they were stupid enough to bring me on, and so yeah, obviously started in packaging. Um, worked for over a year in packaging transition into the brew house and at that time there was so few of us it was brew house and cellar operations were mm-hmm. one one fluid department um and then went into brew house cellaring and barrel aging and then obviously at the same time we were all warehousing and we essentially we would rotate into the tap room and we when there was under 15 of us and now there's over 200 of us wow. we did everything um just to make it work and uh, so i've seen all aspects of the of the process and fell in love with brewing obviously and um kind of moved up from there and now i sit behind a desk and uh, stare at a computer all day yeah <laughs> that's so in that time uh other than size obviously and distribution and all that i mean how have you seen and i also want to talk about how you became head brewer that whole process but how have you seen avery change in the 11 years you've been here other yeah, than just size? i mean yeah it's changed a lot a lot uh, not necessarily in any sort of bad way but um we've like I said, I think when I started, there were 12 of us in the entire company. That's mm-hmm. including owners and salespeople. Uh, there's over 200 now. So besides the obvious um, increase in the general size of the business, yeah. um, that's probably the biggest thing. We've just kind of had to grow up a little bit, and we had to uh, <laughs> become much more safe because we were a little bit uh, crazy in the early stages, and that's not good for anyone. And, right. Um but yeah, it could be again, exciting, but yeah, also yeah, unstable. Yeah, yeah, you always want to be on the brink of death when you're brewing. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. So, yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, we we uh, obviously have grown a ton, um, but the the passion for quality beer and and what we kind of consider beer that is hopefully pushing the pushing the limits has never been lost and. Mm-hmm. We're still producing beers that we're passionate about, and um, and that's kind of that the the core culture of Avery of of making the best beer that we can has never been lost. So that's been that's been pretty huge. Do you, as head brewer, um, I don't know who this head brewer before you, but do you have your own brewing philosophy, and does it differ from? Was it Adam Avery? Was Adam Avery was he the head brewer before you, or was it somebody uh, else? No, it was uh, technically uh, Matt Thrall, okay. who's now the production manager at Left Hand. Okay, um, yeah, he he. I, I mean, I learned a lot from him. He was um, a priceless mentor. Um, so I think we all kind of grew up at Avery and had a similar philosophy, and um, it was always quality and consistency first, and, mm. and that's that's my main thing. Um, we all know we have to pay the bills, and every single beer that we make isn't necessarily something I 
we want to drink on a daily basis sure. and that by obviously no means makes it a bad beer it's just we need to be pushing pushing the boundaries and, and making beers thinking of our um, customer base which is usually looking for fun experimental mm-hmm. kind of boundary breaking beers and um, yeah that's that's definitely key for us but I, I certainly by no means impose any sort of strict brewing yeah. philosophy again it's, it's right. a very um, collaborative right. process through through a handful of us throughout the entire process so yeah. there there is no one person who's setting the standards for for every beer and which i think makes it what it is you know I mm-hmm. mean, that's when you have uh, one person who's dictating every single style yeah. and that you're gonna initially i mean it that could be a little caustic for for any brewery, I think. But yeah, well, and then that kind of translates into you know being a dictator. I read somewhere that Adam said that he had two rules for his employees: is one, don't be a dick, and two, uh, make your coworkers' lives easier. Yep. So, what does that mean? I mean, other than just the collaborative nature, what does that mean at Avery? Yeah, I mean that, that kind of sums it up. It's just um, so it is what it is. Huh? Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, no one's better than the next person. Brewers aren't special. Yeah. Um, uh, the warehouse and packaging staff and seller. I mean, it takes takes all of us to 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 produce and distribute the beer to our customers in the fashion that we want to and mm. that's that's not dictated by brewers and it's not dictated by the seller um or packaging alone it's it's a collaborative effect um of of all departments creating one one particular product and um, right. that's key for us so i mean it's it's, it's don't be a dick meaning don't think you're better than anyone else yeah. and make everyone's job easier. I mean, if, if I walk down the hallway and I see trash on the ground, I'm not going to walk past it thinking someone else is going to pick it up. I'm going to obviously pick it up myself or mm. grab a broom or a mop or whatever it takes and um, make everyone's job easier because ultimately when everyone's job is, is quote-unquote easier, then, then the best quality beer is, is produced and everyone is not only making the best product they can, but having the most fun and in the least stress yeah. environment they can. So, you mentioned earlier, like most of your day seems to consist mostly of meetings. Are you are you back at this point? I know, obviously, the smaller guys they work seven days a week. Sometimes, you know, and they may work seven to nine, something like that. Are you are you down to the point where you can work in like just a regular forty hour schedule, or is it still? Yeah, it's you're yeah. out promoting all the time. Yeah, it's um. That's another pretty great thing about about Avery. I mean, obviously, not for all departments. We have pretty obviously strict schedules for for the production side, but um, I have a pretty free schedule where I, I know what needs to be done and yeah. and do that accordingly. I don't need to clock in at any sort of particular time. But yeah, it's Monday through Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got a, a wife and two children, so they can, they also need yeah. Give as them much attention as I too. love beer. They need a little <laughs> attention here and there. So yeah, that's the work life balance is huge, and um, right. we try to uh, accommodate that for all for everyone here. So, so tell me about your path from starting out uh, your your first job fresh out of college to becoming head brewer. I mean, what what all positions did you hold, and and I guess just tell me kind of tell me about your journey to becoming to getting where you are now. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, started when I was 22, fresh out of college, interviewed, somehow got the job, maybe seemed enthusiastic, and um, clearly loved beer, and um, so started started on the packaging line, did that for well over a year, just strictly packaging every single day. Yeah. Um, so I obviously have a, a very intimate 
and uh, of intimate knowledge of, of packaging and what it takes and why it's so important. Uh, from there, I transitioned to the brew house, um, and at that point, it was it was brewing and cellaring were two two of the same positions. Yeah. So it was uh, brewing and then brewing a few days a week, cellaring, cleaning tanks, um, racking beers, filtering beers. Um, so it was the full clarification process, the, the whole the whole spiel. Um, did that for uh, almost five years, and then, well, and then within that time, transitioned into the kind of the, the main trainer for new brew house hires, and then became our brew house manager. Did that for a couple of years, um, and then transitioned out of that into my current head brewer position, where. Um, uh, as uh, counterintuitive as it seems, I do zero brewing now. Yeah, uh, which seems to be kind of standard <laughs> for that title, which is kind of silly. But um, many years of brewing experience, obviously, and, uh, and yeah, so now it's mostly administrative um, stuff. I have one direct report, which is our current brew house manager, I'm still ultimately responsible for war production, and uh, but more is. Living in the future, contracting raw materials, um, process development, R&D, stuff mm. like that. Uh, we have a great brewhouse manager who's the, the first report for our physical brewers who are brewing beer every single day. So kind of a one, one person removed even from that, but him and I work really closely together and uh, try to make that work as seamlessly as we can. But, yeah, so I've definitely seen, seen all the processes of of uh beer production through many many years and uh yeah so so where do you want to go from here you're i mean seems like you're almost at the top of the of a pyramid especially <laughs> of such a large craft brewery i mean do you do you ever have dreams of starting your own brewery i know uh like three employees started several years ago they yeah, left yeah. and started their called own brewery arms. And, yeah. yeah called arms yeah go to call it arms by the way as much as you can it's a phenomenal <laughs> beer yeah. and they're very very close friends of mine still yeah um yeah i don't who knows but all right now um I have a pretty good thing going here. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, yeah, I know the yeah. just the just being able to work a forty-hour week in yeah, sure. crap brewing is yeah. its own feat. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, be, it took a long time. Yeah, just yeah. Gotta, I don't know. You got to put your nose to the grindstone and and uh, take control and figure out what you want to do and just make it happen. So, yeah, right now it's yeah everything's good and yeah yeah it's hard to ask for too much more. So. Yeah, yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, I have a just over four-year-old daughter and just under two-year-old son. So not quite into beer yet. <laughs> no, although they most certainly maybe mistakenly take sips every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unbeknownst to me, even though I might, they might be in my hand. Uh, you ever have uh, you have other family in brewing, or is it just you? Uh, no, it's just myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's you, just me. You think your kids, do you have any inclination that maybe one of them or both of them will follow you into brewing? Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm gonna, uh, I don't know. Maybe push, push, push something the way they can. They can uh, yeah, well, none of us are in brewing to get rich. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's whatever they're happy to do, and uh, there's there's no doubt that they're not going to be surrounded by beer their entire life. Yeah. So they might just get sucked into it. Um, <laughs> I think both kids within three days of being on this planet were at Avery at the tap room, and yeah. um, so they from the day they were born, essentially they know craft beer. So the nice thing about crap brewing is it's they generally tend to be familial environments where yeah. families always welcome kids 
Absolutely. dogs, as we can see here. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's it'd be fun to see them go into the industry. Yeah, there's there, uh, there's no doubt that I'll at least make them uh, scrub floors and, and learn how to use the squeegees. Say, so. Make them a tank wipe at like fourteen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I, I'm kind of interested from the just from a business perspective. Uh, you guys are one, obviously one of the larger crap brewers, and we've seen, especially in Dallas, a lot of acquisitions from you know AB and Bev and Coors. So I have to imagine Adam's been approached thousands of times about being acquired. Um, what's I mean, what's what's your thoughts on the acquisitions? First of all, and I, I have to doubt that Avery would ever you know Adam would ever sell, but. Uh, yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, yeah, we most certainly have been approached many, many times. Um, Adam's just, uh, he's dedicated to, to keeping this a family business. It's him and his father, Larry, and um, that's, uh, that's kind of what, what we've committed to as a, as a company, which I think yeah. is great. Although I don't fault any, any business for, for selling as well, and I would never call it selling out because I think that's a, kind of an ignorant um, approach to what is actually happening. If if you need a little more cash influx to increase your quality or mm-hmm. increase your um, distribution channels or whatever it may be, I think that's that's not nothing to be um, looked upon in a negative fashion. I think um, you see a lot of these businesses who are who are getting bought and and I think they're they're being acquired for the quality that they're producing and I, I feel like the, the businesses who are buying them are smart enough to to not mess with that and keeping their current employees in, employed mm. and just really kind of um, uh, supporting the culture that made the company that they're buying that successful and right. keeping the beer um, the same quality if not better because mm. they have an unlimited bank account at this point. Yeah, that's so, one thing Todd we talked to Todd Tebow over Breckenridge, and we had asked them, you know, they obviously they were purchased by Coors, I think it was, and asked them how, you know, how's it been since you've been acquired? Because I guess it's been roughly over a year. And they said it's been nothing but great, that they've, yeah. they've uh, met no resistance, no restrictions. They said keep making the product, and here's a truckload of money to go do things. Yeah. You know, they did a cross-country tour. And uh, same thing with Goose Island. They're, now sure. that they've got the big money, uh, they're also going to do a culture tour across the U.S. Yeah. Here, in, here in a couple months. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, personally, I, I I don't know. I, I have a hard time um, looking at that in a negative fashion. I yeah. just hope that they they I trust that they made the decision for the right reason, and yeah. and hopefully that's ultimately for um, at least maintained or improved quality and right. a larger footprint. And I'm obviously it, <laughs> at that point it doesn't really cut into the the macro brewers mm-hmm. percentage anymore because they're kind of owned by them so that's yeah. that's that it's always fun to see craft brewing kind of cut into that margin as much as we can but um it, as long as the quality doesn't decrease i have i mean i really have nothing negative to say about it, it yeah. again it's all about quality and consistency to me and and hopefully that's only increased by by these acquisitions but that's something we've always We've always felt the same way. Dustin and my the guy who podcasts with me back in Dallas. We've always felt the same way. As long as you're maintaining your same craft beer quality and the spirit yeah, and exactly. all yeah. that jazz, then yeah. yeah. I mean, if they come in and clean house and fire yeah. every single person, then right. yeah, that's a bit of an issue. Which, which you know, I think we've seen in some cases. Sure. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it was at Elysian where several of the executives left in a dispute because they didn't want to sell yeah, out. Sure. And, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's a big upheaval, but it's yeah. nice to see that some of them are at least keeping yeah, that quality. Yeah. And again, it's I mean, it's to each their own, man. I mean, yeah. it's 
can't can't fault him either way. So. I don't begrudge somebody making money either. I mean, you get into the business yeah. not to fail and exactly. be constantly, you know, thriving on the margins. Yeah. You got to yeah. you want to make a profit ultimately yeah, and live absolutely. a comfortable life. So, like I said, no, none of us are in this to get rich, but maybe yeah. that one day you get the opportunity yeah. to yeah. to uh, to live pretty well. It's it's yeah. tough to. I mean, you you built the business. It's up to you. It's your. That's your decision, and yeah. can't fault him for that. So well, I can't imagine when somebody backs up a truck of money how hard it is yeah, to resist I mean, that. Yeah, Bowles Point. You can't, yeah. If you, if you uh, refuse a billion dollars, then you're yeah. an idiot. If you're insuring the <laughs> future generations, you know your future generations, like, yeah. they're going to live comfortably. Then yeah, yeah it's hard yeah. to no. hard to begrudge that. So exactly. financially speaking, um, Colorado is obviously on the forefront of marijuana legalization, and yeah. they've obviously made a boatload of money. Have you seen? Because I know some people in other states, other craft brewers, um, are particularly resistant to that to that being legalized because they're worried for their own profit, you know, profits and margins. Uh, have you seen that in Colorado? Have your sales been affected at all? I mean, you guys are obviously way more national than some of the smaller guys, but have you seen that, especially here in Colorado, be affected at all or Washington uh, State? Seeing our business affected? Yeah. Have you seen your business affected at all by maybe consumers are trading one product for another? Uh, no. Or they're just I, going I hand in so hand? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, being in uh, a legal, a beautiful legal state of marijuana, yeah, it's hard to uh, pair something better than um, some beautiful, beautiful weed with a delicious craft right. beer, right? So. That's what I've always thought. It's like, <laughs> I think, I think some people just worry too yeah, much. No, I think, I think no it probably cannibalization, just in- though. I mean, it's, it, I, I would say it's the opposite, if anything. And- I was gonna say it seems like it would increase, given how much your willpower goes down. Uh, <laughs> it seems like it would probably just increase sales. Sure, yeah. I mean, if you're going to take the, especially out-of-state people, if you if you come to Colorado specifically to, to buy um, recreational yeah. weed, then chances are you're probably of the same mindset who's going to visit a handful of craft breweries. You right, know? yeah. So they kind of go hand-in-hand, hand, and they're both beautiful things, in my opinion. So, last question for the lightning round here. Yeah, uh, I know you've got to get out here shortly, but no, no worries. Um, Josh over at the Interbrews Podcast, they're based out of Houston. He wanted me to ask you maybe how you and other Colorado brewers in general in mass feel about Texas beer because you guys are a much more mature crap beer scene than Texas is. It's only been the last few years that our, you know, we've started to explode. So, how do you, how do you guys feel and how do you feel in particular about Texas beer? Oh, um, I don't really have, uh, I've actually never really thought about it in particular, to really? be honest. Um, we have a handful of friends down there. I mean, Real Ale, they make phenomenal beer. Um, uh, we, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great, Texas is our third best market. Okay. Colorado, SoCal, Texas are the top three. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we, we appreciate the uh, the business and the um the love for craft beer there. I mean, I think I think there's a a lot. There's a huge market there. Yeah. I think um, it's kind of turning around, and it's a huge state with a huge population. And I think craft beer is is getting a better stronghold there. And um, yeah, I think it's I think it's great. Honestly, I'm I'm, I'm not as tuned in to the newest yeah, Texas figured. craft breweries that yeah. there are i'm sure but uh i can't even keep track of what's happening in yeah. denver and that's two yeah. miles down the road you know i think we have so many breweries opening up now i think one thing we found is that we're lacking tap space yeah there's just not enough taps to because there's so many new guys coming on the scene all the time now yeah um and this is a question so stone a few months ago had to lay off a bunch of people in california and they opened and then they conversely went open their berlin brewery because they saw sales declining you know, here in the States, and they thought, well, and we can open up a new market in Europe. So, have you guys seen, um, I don't know, have you seen any sales decline like Stone has, or uh, are you guys fairly nimble financially to be able to survive things like that? 
Um, yeah, we definitely haven't seen any sales declines. Yeah. Um, we're trying to grow responsibly, and, and um, with the, the addition of Seller 3 here to our left and your right, um, we've got about uh, 150,000 barrels of, c- of current capacity. Mm-hmm. So we've got a couple years to grow into that, which creates some flexibility. Um, we have a total capacity of about 350,000 barrels here once the, the full build-out is complete. Um, so we can just keep putting in banks of 10, 800 hectoliter tanks to the north of us. Um, you guys opened this facility in 2015, is that right? 14? Uh, yes. Okay. Yep, 2015, yeah. So, yeah, we came from the quote-unquote alley, which yeah. we always um, refer to it as. And it was uh, <laughs> an undisputed hole <laughs> and we all love it for that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're pretty happy where we are. We're... we're brewing beer in a facility made to brew beer right. so that's fun so we're we're definitely dialing in efficiencies and um just trying to trying to make as much beer as efficiently as we possibly can right now and um but yeah i mean we we see pretty steady growth mm. i think we were up i think it was about 20 percent last year okay. um so yeah we're still cranking away awesome um it's good to see yeah I, yeah we have no plans on slowing down but we're also just going to keep producing the beer that kind of we ultimately want to drink and yeah. and what we think, um, what we hope the market wants to buy, and um, mm. we'll see where that brings us. So we're we're gonna we're gonna hopefully always stick to our guns and make the beer that we that we think and hope everyone will appreciate, and that will get us as, as big as we possibly can. So we talked about the tequila service, uh, which is about to be released nationwide, right? Mm-hmm. So what else do you have coming down the down the pike that you can talk uh, about that you're allowed boy. to talk about at this point? That's a good question. We just finished the first production batch of um, coconut porter. We did the last coconut dosing yesterday. So that, that beer has been in the works for over two years. We're pretty excited to release that. Uh, just a big fresh bourbon barrel aged coconut porter seems to be an increasing style yeah, uh, across I think the states. So. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, this is um, locally toasted, delicious coconut. Um, awesome fresh bourbon barrels, great base porter, um, balanced really well. It's it's a fun beer. How long is so, that up to age for? What's that? How long is it aged in the barrels? Uh, it was aged for I think we we're right around the four to six month range. Okay, I believe. All right, and then the tequila service is a uh, tequila barrel sour. Yep, and it's barrel aged also, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, hundred percent tequila barrel aged swear Oh yeah, barrels. well I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yep, no. yep. <laughs> that was a stupid question. Uh, no, no worries. <laughs> uh, boy, we have so many weird. I feel like I just honestly can't keep track of them all at yeah. this point. We got a bunch of fun stuff, but the biggest thing is, uh, um, is yeah, coconut porter. We've got. Um, we'll be transitioning from. Another another barrel and botanical. We're going to be doing a ginger sour as well. Um, as I saw one. There was a ginger-based beer I saw in your cooler over here. What was that? Um, that was uh, the the, was the that? double D. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was kind of supposed to be a uh, like a whiskey ginger mm. type of thing. Uh, this will be quite a bit different. Um, it'll be a neutral barrel um, sour with uh, with ginger. Okay. Which I think I'm just I'm a huge fan of ginger, so I think it's yeah. delicious. 
Um, it'll kind of go hand in hand with the apricot sour. Um, should be fun. That's going to be kind of another big release. And then um, we've got a handful of brewery only 200, my, 200 to less than 200 case releases in the brewery alone. And we're always, I don't know, we make it too hard on ourselves. Yeah. We always have something weird going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get the lighting around here. So what was your first beer? First beer in general? Yeah, your first beer. Oh, boy. First beer was probably, actually, I know exactly what it was. I think I was um, probably 14 in, in, the, in rural Vermont. My buddy's dad was a uh, religious Rolling Rock drinker, and we stole a few Rolling Rocks and uh, went up, up the hill to the Sugar Shack where the parents were not around, and um, we chugged a Rolling Rock. And it was, uh, I think, as terrible then as I think it is now. <laughs> um, but it was still glorious. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, from there, I mean, it, it kind of transitioned to um, an aggressive amount of butt heavies in high school. Yeah. yeah. And then um, whenever we could afford some delicious Vermont craft beers from there. But What was your first craft beer? Uh, it was Long Trail Ale. Long, never heard of it. style <laughs> Uh, ale from Vermont, Bridgewater Corners. Um, Are they still around? Oh yeah, yeah. They're 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 two hundred plus thousand barrels a year. Uh, New England distrib- distribution only. They might go a little south at this point, but uh, yeah, glorious, <laughs> glorious beer when it's fresh. Um, yeah, Otter Creek Stovepipe Porter. Um, McNeil's from uh, down south there and yeah a bunch of delicious stuff when I was in high school and college we had uh, we didn't have the um, the heady toppers right. and uh, and all that delicious <laughs> stuff that we have now that didn't really exist but uh, still still good for our time kind of groundbreaking craft beers so yeah yeah I mean mostly it was um it was more of an approach of this has alcohol in it. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> let's drink that. Yeah, let's drink that. And uh, yeah, it worked out. Uh, it stopped since. So do you? Uh, do you have your dad? Does, does does he send you heady topper still? Or does uh, it, do you have him send you heady topper? It's a delicious beer. It is a delicious beer. It is. Um, yeah, every now and then. Every now and then. Yeah. Yep. Um, it is quite good. Yeah. It's quite good. <laughs> it was, yeah. I was surprised that it lived up to the hype. Yeah, it's, it's tasty. I mean, yeah. now we have Hill Farmstead, and yeah. Sean is crushing it. Um, yeah, we try to we do our damnedest to get one of, get a get a six-barrel tapped in the, in the bar downstairs at home, and that's proved challenging. But yeah. um, as much as we can. I mean, it's fun to see, see breweries like that. Um, coming up, I yeah. mean, Sean. I don't know if you've been to Little Farmstead, but he's way up in the Northeast Kingdom, and he's he's out there, and he he yeah. he committed to it. It's pretty awesome. So, cool. I mean, they're doing great stuff, and um, I love love the Vermont craft beer name right now. is is pretty pretty exciting for yeah. me. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, um, your eleven years you've been here. What's the beer you're most proud of that you made? Oh, that's a great question. And then conversely, is there one that you were not so happy with <laughs> you ended up hating <laughs> sure um yeah i mean there's got to be both of one of those um i mean we i kind of 
definitely pride ourselves in being our worst critics and always trying to modernize and make the best beer that we can. So we're always kind of in pursuit of, of that of that type of beer. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, Vanilla Bean um, Stout right now is is one of my favorite beers we've ever made. Obviously, a handful of our one-off barrel aging stuff um, has has been great. Um, I've been drinking an insane amount of our just regular IPA right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Twenty, our twenty-fourth anniversary beer that will be hitting the market soon um, is one of my favorite IPAs we've ever made, and that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, it's hard to name one, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, fair enough. And then, yeah, where's I mean, sure, we've we we should, <laughs> we've, we've certainly every beer we've ever made certainly hasn't been good. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can necessarily think of one beer that I would never drink again. Yeah. Um, any any failures where you ended up dumping? Oh yeah. Of yeah. Course. A ton. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We we're not afraid. I mean, it's not common, but we're not afraid right. to dump beer. As I said, we're we're our own worst qu- critics. So if uh, if it doesn't meet our standards, we're not afraid of uh, calling up a tanker and shipping it off. And yeah, that's what we've seen with some of the smaller crappers. Is there? They go ahead and package it even when it's terrible. Yeah. They're, they're afraid of losing, you know, the financial sure. loss. Obviously, you're in a much better position here yeah. than they are. But financially, I can see where they're coming from. But as a long term move, I think it, it's going to hurt people. I yeah. mean, you, you got to build your name on quality, and um, and I think the biggest issue that we're going to be seeing coming up in the industry is is a lack of consistency and quality. And yeah, um, and I love how prosperous the industry is. But I feel like it may have uh, attracted some people just looking at the bottom line and don't necessarily know how to make good beer, um, produce <laughs> and package quality beer that can yeah. stand the test of time. And um, ultimately, I think that's going to hurt the industry. Yeah, um, it's all going to shake out and everyone's going to be fine. But uh, that's our, in my opinion, our, our biggest hurdle moving forward is maintaining um, the quality standards that we know are acceptable and, and honestly are should be modeled after the the macro brewers they should be modeled after chorus and yeah. miller and budweiser and i mean they they brew the most consistent beer in the industry hands down mm. um is it the best beer no we've we've always said that the uh their process is perfect but they just have uh their recipe is a little flawed yeah and uh i truly believe that although I'll drink Coors original until the day I die. <laughs> um, it really is about quality and consistency, yeah. and, and I hope that's maintained as, as to the highest level that we can. And um, yeah, that's that's a little bit of a a worry personally right now for myself, and just just with the um, the reputation that craft beer needs to maintain is should be focused on quality for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so outside of your own brewery, who is your or what is your favorite brewery and why? Oh, that's a great question. Favorite brewery and why? Um, hmm, that's really tough. <laughs> Honestly, I don't have a standout favorite brewery. Yeah. Um, I, I just love too many different styles of beers, and I couldn't just put my finger on my favorite beer. I'm a, I'm a very seasonal beer drinker, so it fluctuates with the seasons. Um, I mean, locally, I, o- Odell has never made a bad beer in the history of their 
their company as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, they make phenomenal beer. Uh, their IPA is one of my favorite IPAs I've ever had. The Mercenary uh, or? What's that? The Mercenary or something like one of those? Uh, just the regular. Mercenary is great too, yeah. but just the regular standard flagship IPA okay. is phenomenal. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, obviously, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that Hill Farmstead is making, obviously, a mm -hmm. handful of Belgian sour producers are at the top of the list. Um, I mean, you've got stuff popping up in the East Coast. You've got, um, I mean, I think Portland, Maine is crushing it right now. You've got uh, Maine Beer Company, Bissell Brothers. They're making phenomenal beers. Um, Trillium is making some fun stuff um, in Mass. And, um, yeah, I mean, we have Crooked Stave right down the road. And, obviously, Call to Arms is crushing mm -hmm. it in Denver. And there's just so much good beer, it's impossible to say. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Fair we're enough. we're spoiled. Uh, that, oh yeah, all I'm realizing as I'm talking is that I'm a spoiled beer <laughs> bitch. Well, you're in a you're in a great spot for. <laughs> that's one thing we found out about Dallas is uh, a lot of things I don't like about it. But as far as beer goes, we're in kind of a sweet spot because yeah, yeah. we've got both coasts coming at us now. Sure. And we're finally we just finally got Bell's uh, a few weeks ago, and so we're kind of in a sweet spot. Whereas I know like we were in uh, Kauai last summer. And the beer scene in Hawaii, it's got, there's, you know, there's Maui and there's Kona and a couple others, but the craft beer scene is not anywhere near where, where it could be. Sure. Yeah. So last question, IPA stout or some other style as far as your favorite? Uh, again, yeah, that kind of just kind of <laughs> coincides with what I was just saying. Just is, being um, seasonal? Yeah, super seasonal. I mean, right now, weather's warming up. Joe's is tasting great. Great Pilsner. Um, I've kind of uh, shied away from higher alcohol stuff. I love just tr drinking <laughs> volume yeah. at this right. point so i do love uh well-made balanced hoppy session beers it seems like that's um, uh, this is a big industry shift going on right yeah, now towards the sessionable so. yeah exactly i mean i'd much rather i love the social aspect of sitting down and drinking a bunch right. of beers and rather than just getting blacking out yeah i mean i like that part too yeah if it comes after 15 sure. beers instead yeah. of three that's nice yeah there's a there's a a pub opening up in Portland, Oregon that is called Session or Sessionable. Oh, nice. And it's just all Sessional beer, yeah, Session yeah. beers. And yeah. they have, they're, they're going to have what's called After Session, which will be the higher ABV stuff, but like 80% of the menu will be all Session nice. beers. Yeah, so. that's good. Too. And I think that's what, I, that's also another, another great point I love about Avery. I mean, we have, I feel, one of the most diverse portfolios uh, going right now. So we've got 3.8% stuff all the way up to 18 plus percent yeah. and you can kind of have whatever you're feeling like for that day and, yeah. and I think that's just kind of what is modeled my drinking behaviors you know it's mm. some days sure I'll have a three ounces a tweak and then I'll have five joes you know it's yeah like you can just kind of balance it here and there but I do um, I do love hoppy beers I love malty beers mm. uh, again I really can't I can't uh, put my finger on a on a particular. I guess so. Desert Island. Yeah. Where? What am I going for? <laughs> I mean, ah, Jesus. I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't even know if I can. It depends on the moment. Depends on the yeah. Depend. Yeah. I mean, you assume the desert island is hot all the time, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe more of a, a pilsner. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, right. That's a tough question. Well, fair I enough. I always have a hard time answering that, unfortunately. But well, Fred, thank I you just for like too much alcohol. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> that is, it's a good problem to have. Uh, well, thanks for your time. Appreciate yeah, it, Fred. Thanks for having me out here to Avery. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, appreciate it. Cheers.
Thanks again to Fred Rizzo, the head brewer at Avery Brewing. That was an awesome opportunity. I'm sorry to all of our P1s that we didn't get enough video. I, <laughs> it was like a last-minute deal that I thought, hey, I should actually get some video of this. I True. mean, people might actually want to see these things. I was afraid, like... Well, we never talked about it before, so yeah, it's a new idea. I was also kind of afraid of uh, space limits on the phone, because that's all I had to record with. But, yeah. Plus, we're not very uh, good for video. We're better for audio. Oh, we definitely have... We definitely have faces for radio. Yeah. Although I, don't, I think we might. I don't even know if we have faces for radio. <laughs> not sure yeah. we have voices or faces for radio. I think our voices are very sexy for radio. We have faces that exist on the planet of the Earth, but. That's true. We have faces for humans. We have faces for humans. Yeah. And that's about it. So now we're in the uh, peeps version of the uh, episode. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, right after this, let's get to the potatoes, the peeps, the peeps and potatoes version. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about uh, oh, what yeah, I drink. Oh, this is a rapper. I apologize. Yeah, this is a rapper. Yeah, get, it, get your production. Gosh, gotta get my jargon Hi. out there. Yeah. This is why we need a producer, Dustin. That's true. Um, yeah, they could have given me the kill sign. Like, yeah. That's not what you're talking about right now. <laughs> well, after this, let's talk about, let's get the potatoes, the peeps, and let's yeah. talk about uh, my review of Denver and Colorado and what I drank at Avery Brewing Company. by Barbaco Apparel. Barbaco Apparel is a San Antonio-based independent clothing line that caters to Texans and Texans at heart. To find out more about Barbaco Apparel or to buy your favorite taco tea, go to barbacoapparel.com. Have you been to Denver before? I'm here over the busy watching the Masters, but... Uh, no, I've been through Denver, but I haven't actually stayed in Denver. Have I've you only, stayed in Colorado at I've all? I've only been in the airport. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we uh, actually, to do a, a throwback to high school, yeah. one of our band trips was to Denver. I don't think I went to that. Uh, right outside of Denver. So I, I guess I have been to Denver. I apologize. I think, but it was mo- it was mainly in the suburbs, and yeah. we didn't really hang out in the city at all, and we were kids. I think I missed that one. Did that, you? Yeah. I think that, that, was, was, that was 10th grade. Yeah, I think... I think I missed that one, yeah. Okay, we went to Bush Gardens out there, wherever that is. I missed that, yeah. And, um, yeah, we did some event out there. I can't, like I said, it was a long yeah. time ago. I've drank a lot since then. Right. Uh, we also went to the place that has the cliff diving woman uh, that is owned by the same people who used to own Crystal's Pizza. Whatever that place was. I have no idea what you're But they have a couple of places. Just, they just, have one in Denver and they have one somewhere else. So I have been in Denver, but. Just search for those terms on Yelp yeah. and you'll find it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cliff diving woman who owned the place that or they used to own Crystal's Pizza. <laughs> right. Which has had two locations in Texas. <laughs> very limited, very yeah, look, geocentric look to yeah. Dallas. Also Burger Street. Also, by the way, some of the best cheese and breadsticks of all time at Christmas yeah. Pizza. Burger Street's still around and still good. Oh, they own, I didn't know they own Burger Street. They did. We're yes. going to have to go there and demand some breadsticks and uh, cheese. And someone to cliff dive yeah. in, the, in the Burger Street. <laughs> yes, all at the same time. But yeah, so that's my limited expo- exposure to the Denver area. Um, again, I was, uh, you know... 14 at the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm a lot older than that now. Hey, so this is Dustin. I don't. Riblets. I barely remember it. So, hey But guys. yes, I was there. Yes. Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, we used to go uh, Cuba Valdi here, but we used to go skiing all the time. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, we used to go snow skiing all the time as a family. I forgot how loaded you were. It was so loaded, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A yeah, hey, middle pool tables full of laundry. That, that was the prior husband oh, for my okay. mother, yeah. This was the abuse, the uh, physical abuse of husband, not oh. the mentally abuse of husband. But he, but he did have uh, skiing in the budget. Yeah, he did have skiing and <laughs> Riadosa and uh, Breckenridge and all that. Uh, so we used to go. We would take a skiing trip once a winter. 
um, to Colorado, New Mexico. Did you so. ski or did you just like, roll down a mountain? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I skied. I went to ski school. Oh, wow. And it was just like the, the 80s movie Ski School <laughs> that I encountered so many hot ladies in the hot tub. Gosh, that as, is a brag. Uh, all of us uh, six or seven years old at the time. <laughs> right. I did actually have the experience of going to ski school. Ski- Ski school and getting altitude sickness, oh. where you like start vomiting and bleeding from the nose, and they have to, they had to put me in like a four wheel drive truck and shoot me down the mountain to a, to a clinic. Nice, it was good times. We can't all have that experience. Yeah, it's a wonderful, Very wonderful ambitious. experience. Uh, unfortunately for me, I didn't have that this time. Yeah, although I didn't go up into the Rockies right. to ski this time. So at Avery, they have no surprise a bunch of uh, beers that are reserved no just way. for their tap room. So you can some of these are bottled. They have a lot of beer at Avery. They have a lot of beer, oh, okay. but you can only get some of these beers at their tap room, and some of which they do actually bottle. Yeah. But again, you can only get those bottles at the tap room. So I did uh, just for old time's sake. I got the Mephistopheles from their now canceled Demon series, uh, which is a great beer. If you never had a chance to have it, um, I did manage to pick up a random bottle while I was there. Nice. And uh, call me a wheeler. It's a great beer. They did. I asked. Uh, their Barky Blake, uh, why they got rid of the Demon series? He just said it was. They just felt like it was time to move on. Yeah, like they're revolving sense. and they wanted to do other things. So it's very old school terminology you issued there too. The Barky, nice. yeah. yeah. Hey Barky, hey Barky. <laughs> What's the bee's knees around here? Yeah, exactly. See. What's the cat's pajamas a bear? See. After <laughs> everything was seen, see. Right. And uh, I, we talked about this in the interview, but I had their tequila Cerberus, which should be. By the time you hear this, it'll probably start getting distributed around the country. It's a tequila barrel-aged sour. No. And uh, really, really good uh, floral, subtle uh, sour. Not I, I, As you know, I'm not a big sour fan, but yeah. I like this beer quite a bit. I like tequila and I like sours, so that should be good. Yeah, I like tequila when it's not coming out my nose that one, like that one time. Yeah, sure. I had the uh, Charizard, which I believe is named after a Pokemon. Uh, which is a 50-50 Stout and Porter blend aged in Scotch barrels for four months. I was going to say I wouldn't know. It's but. it's very, very peaty. Like, if you like the peatier scotches, it is, it's like drinking a beer form of those peaty scotches. Hey it's, it's very yeah. smoky. Yeah. Very smoky. Uh, I had the, this is my favorite one, I think, the Ragnar's Droppa, which was, they have a professor that they hired from uh, Colorado University. And he's a professor of archaeology. So he, this guy's like the Indiana Jones of beer. <laughs> okay. He, he's basically going back and... He's writing a book about these ancient beer recipes. Oh, okay. And his name is Travis Ruppa. And so I guess he does dual time at, at Avery and at the school. Is he also a Viking? Yeah, he, uh, he is. Travis okay. the Viking, yeah. yeah. He's uh, started this um, Ales of Antiquity series, which is right now exclusive to the brewery. And uh, this particular batch comes from 900 AD. And it's named after Ragnar Lothrock, the uh, famed Viking, which you can see in the TV series Vikings. Which is based on Hidge Legends, but the recipe itself is from... That's Plugola right there. It is. That's pale, (laughs) is what that is. Um, Anyways, the the recipe comes from 900 AD, and it's brewed with Scandinavian malts, uh, juniper branches, and berries, and baker's yeast. Okay. And it's... I don't know how to describe it. It's just very, very little woodsy, a little sweet, uh, not overpowering, very, very drinkable. So that's one I hope that... Yeah. I hope if they get enough likes for it, I hope they'll release it, because it's really, really good. Okay. And I actually feel like this whole Ales of Antiquity series, because I had another one, I feel like that would be a really, really good one from maybe to replace the Demon series with, to have another limited series uh, to just, I don't know, just up their cred a little more. Right. It's really, really cool. Because was it, uh, what's his name, uh, from Dogfish that did the Egyptian beer? Uh, Back in the day yes, the yes. Show? Um, yeah, it was um, Jim gosh. Coke. No, no, no. Or, that's, that's the guy from uh, Oh, wait, that's the guy Sam from Adams. Sam Adams. Uh, Gosh, I can't think of his name now. Drawing a blank. I, I know can this. see his face, but yeah. yeah. Anyways, 
on his. Yeah. Uh, we should know that. But his we failed don't. TV series. He did that Egyptian bear. I don't think it was failed. They quit. They, he wanted to quit doing it. Oh, did he? Yeah. I don't I, think Disco- Discovery was okay with him continuing. Oh, I didn't know he wanted yeah. to quit. Uh, so another one in this series was the Konsum Heb, which was based on an Egyptian recipe. Right. Uh, I also had their upcoming coconut porter, which I think we talked about in the interview, uh, which comes in at ten point eight percent. Reminds me of like. Like a coconut cream cake, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah. Like the one from Lakewood that we talked about for their coconut rum barrel porter is, it's like very rummy. Very like it's like drinking coconut rum and somewhat. It's sure. their version of a coconut beer is very different from Lakewood's. Sam Calgioni is uh, Calgioni, yeah, yeah, that's the guy from Dogfish. So their theirs is a lot more like raw coconut yeah. on top of that icing. So it's like that first bite of a coconut cream, uh, a co- coconut cake you take, where it's yeah. the, the sprinkles of coconut on top. The raw coconut mixed okay, with the sweetness. Yeah, sure. It's a lot like that. It's really, really good. And that will be mass-produced. And then lastly, I had the Tweak, which I did bring a bottle home, which is a 16% Imperial Stout brewed with organic espresso. Not espresso. Espresso. Yeah. Asian bur- bourbon espresso. barrels for, four, mo- for yeah. four months. So this one, as most coffee beers we've had and most espresso beers we've had, they're very, very raw bean. Like that yeah, raw yeah. Not taste. sweet, but more raw. Yeah. yeah. This is definitely more of a taint punch of sweetness to it. No, it's very like it's like espresso with heavy dollop of cream, a couple spoonfuls so, of sugar. So it's more like uh, to give an example, maybe the Brooklyn uh, chocolate opposed to some of those more dark chocolate beers that yeah. have more of the bitter edge. Yeah, yeah, it's it, definitely it's got more of that. Yeah, it's really really sweet. It's good, right? But it's not at all what I was expecting from an espresso beer, considering what we've had in the past from other brewers. Right? Yeah, it makes sense. So that, that's what I had at Avery, and I was very careful. I had to drive like an hour, so for every. Glass of beer I had. I got a glass of water. They gave me a carafe, and I think, I think I went through three and a half carafes of water while I was there. Yeah, because I knew I had a long drive ahead That's of me. That's a good so idea. I was, yeah, I was trying to be careful. So don't drink and drive, kids. So let's talk about what we're having today. Well, I was going to say in general, what has been your Avery exposure around DFW? Have you had much? Uh, just what we could get? You know, mass produced. I have a bottle of vanilla bean, which I haven't cracked yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had whatever tap here and there. Uh, I, you know, I have I've had the Mephistopheles a couple of times, and. Sure. I've had the White Rascal several times, which I always enjoyed. Now, Avery was a big player when the bottle shop was closing. Yeah, uh, they had was. like two or three shelves of it. Yeah. People went for that quick. Um, they had a variety of different Averys. I can't even recall all of them. But uh, they seem to be a popular yeah. you know, a popular craft brew around here in general. Um, I think of them more as, you know, like, like a Founders or something like that that's yeah. been national and been around a while. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe Avery... Uh, maybe Avery's a little newer than them, but I feel like they're some of the bigger original craft beers. Uh, uh, they, they're definitely a granddaddy. I feel like they yeah, don't have... like Great Divide or something. I don't know. Some, someone that's come out of, especially that Colorado area, probably yeah. more like Great Divide, um, that is always a, a friendly appearance on the shelf, but it's yeah. just, again, much like Great Divide. It's just one I don't get much because I know they're going to be there all the time. Um, that's fair. Well, I think around here, I think... Um, I think with we they suffer from here a yeah. lack of energy around the brand. Sure, yeah. And I feel like they are really undervalued in the DFW market because we have a we have a lot of access to a lot of their beers. We do a large part of their portfolio, and you don't get the energy around that that you do uh, around some other brewers that are undeserved of that. Well, you know, and I mean not to not to rag on them because you just went and interviewed them and they're very nice to let you do that, but. Maybe they should make some pushes, too, because, honestly, they have a lot of competition these days. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, five, ten years ago, like we talked about many times, they didn't. Yeah. But now there's so many local ones that are going to compete with them, if nothing else, uh, that, that they probably do have some worry on that front. Yeah. Much like Founders does, much like Ninkasi trying to come in here. They've, 
I mean, I've noticed Nikasi's cut back on their distribution here a lot. I mean, you only get like two or three of their from their portfolio. That was right this morning. And originally, you got all of it, you know. And, and maybe, that, that, maybe frankly, they found because they're selling is not they're not selling. Well, as well frankly, here. that's also their fault too. They yeah. they came in and they made a very like they dipped their toe in the water, but they didn't fully commit. They kind of had a popcorn fart of an appearance exactly. to, to go back exactly. to that reference. Yeah, exactly. They didn't they didn't fully commit like they should yeah. have. Now I will say my exposure to Avery has been very limited. Um, I actually came to this very location we are at today, which is good friend. Yeah. And they had a couple of things on tap. One of them we're having today. One of them I had um, last week that I don't think they still have. Looking at the board, but um, I tried the vanilla bean that you're that you got, and yeah. that was that was very tasty. Um, they give you small pours of both of these because they're kind of high ABV. But um, I started out with that one, and then the other one that we're having today is the Uncle Jacobs from 2015, which is a 16.7% Imperial Stout. Yep, they do another five ouncer here, kind of like yeah. they did with uh, the fifteen dollars for that box. five ounces, by the way. Yeah, a little pricey, but yeah. um, you know, uh, it's also a 2015, so you're not going to yeah. find that anywhere. Um, but yeah, do you know if they had these on tap in the tap room? I don't think so. Okay. The problem is the problem problem whatever you want to call it. Like I don't know why they do this, but in their tap room, at least up in the main, they have. They had like a two-level tap room. Down below was by the patio, and the upstairs is more of like a full-fledged restaurant. Okay. So I was up in the full-fledged restaurant area, and they had um, one f- one barkeep that all she did was they had these chalkboards that they would put their taps on, and she was constantly, like, con- not say constantly, but I think two or three times within the time I was there, she erased, and there, there's one chalkboard on the other side yeah. with different beers on either side, and she would erase one side and rewrite everything. So I don't know if that was based on tap availability yeah. Or what it was, but I could never see the complete list at one time while I was there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got you. So I think the entire time while I was drinking beer after the interview, she was doing one chalkboard that entire time. I was there <laughs> okay. for probably an hour, hour and a half, and she wow. didn't get finished by the time I was done. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, they have a ton of stuff on tap. Sure, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, I, never, I never saw the complete list, just what they had in their printed menu, which wasn't everything. Okay. So let's get to oh, Uncle Jacobs, though. Do you, do you like the Uncle Jacobs? Uh, yeah, quite a bit. It's big and boozy. It's very big, very big, boozy, boozy and bold. Um, it's got a little, a uh, little bitter, bittersweet taste to the back end of it. Yeah. Um, a lot of booze on the front end of it. Uh, it's very, it's very tasty. I like it a lot. When it warms up, like I know you just got yours fresh. It's got a lot of molasses flavor to sure, it on the back yeah. end, and the, the booze really comes out when it's warmed up some up it, front. It kind of reminds me because um, I recently had this too of the Deschutes the Abyss. It's got kind of that molasses dark. Dark chocolatey, uh, woody—not woody, but yeah. kind of, kind of grainy taste. If that makes any sense, it's kind of like cereal grains. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little. It, it sounds like it's harsh, but it it works with the blend. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is very similar to the Abyss, and I love the Abyss. Uh, so I, I have no complaints about Which it. I managed to pick up a bottle of the Brandy Barrel Abyss while I was in Denver. Oh, okay. They nice. just had it sitting out on the shelf like nobody's business. I mean, it was twenty bucks a bottle, but I was like, yeah. hey, all, it's it all in Dallas. Like, it's all just, we can find is the regulars just sitting out here. So yeah. I. Of course, got one. I already had a, a Scotch barrel at home, so I decided not to. I can only ship so much back home. Yeah, sure. So I had to be very because I, I think I bought six bottles at Avery. Yeah. While I was there, and then I tried to pack everything. I couldn't fit everything in my my suitcase. Sure. So I had to drink a couple of wilds at the so, at the house. So you had to bum stuff a couple of them to bring them back. Uh, no, I butt chugged them. Oh, okay. And then I released it back into the bottles when I got home <laughs> there and sealed it again. Yeah. yeah. Fair so enough. let's talk about Denver, and this is not necessarily going to be. There's some beer talking here, but not not a ton necessarily. Yeah. So you so, can end the episode now if all you want is yeah, beer talk. If you don't want to hear about me complaining about Denver, this is the half, uh, the half uh, Pete part. Yeah. So we went. To, we were staying in Golden, which is the famed home of Coors Brewing Company. Yep. Uh, what are they called? Coors Beer Company, something like that. Anyways, Miller their factory is there. 
Um, I, I actually was interested in doing a tour just because just seeing a mass production scale. Yeah. But they weren't offering tours while we were there. Oh. It was disappointing. That's weird. I figured they do that every day. But we were staying in Golden because if we ever decide to move to Colorado, which at this point is very doubtful, um, we were interested in more of the, the small towns like Evergreen and Genesee and, and places like sure. that. <clears throat> so that's why we were staying in Golden outside Denver. We have no interest in Denver. So I will say that I think Denver's got a lot going for it in a lot of ways. I think it's really good if you're a single young person. It's yeah. probably the town for you. But it's like a blend. You're not a swinging single, though. I'm not. I'm not. I'm at, not least, at least not public. I'm very old for for, a thir- for 36. Yeah. And I'm definitely not single. He's 36 going on 75. <laughs> exactly. I'm already in a windsuit today. As we talked about last night, <laughs> Javi had a, uh, had a crawler of KBS, and I was like, ah, I'm already turning he's for like, night. He's uh, like, it's 810 at yeah. night. On a Friday. I have a kitchen to clean, so. Right, exactly. I, which I did. It's, none of those were lies. I just didn't feel like putting <laughs> on pants. Lie. Look, just, I would have had to put on it's pants. very old man. Yeah. Would have had to get out of my velvet robe, and, you know, this <laughs> right. wasn't going to happen. So, Denver itself reminds me. I'd never been to Denver proper before. Uh, Denver itself reminded me of a blend of New Orleans and Austin. It's not a bad town. It's just yeah. not, for someone of my age, it's and just. And wealth. And wealth, yeah. It's just not right for me. Yeah. It's like the houses are kind of shotgun, like New Orleans houses are. A lot of them are. They seem to be, at least from next year's. I didn't. It's not like I walked down the street and walked <laughs> through every house. I was going to say, how many people let you in? But they're all crammed together. There's zero lot lines. And I will say that we weren't in the suburbs. We were in Denver proper. Sure. So we went to Denver proper in the Rhino District of the two areas we went to. Oh, okay. And a lot of rhinos running yeah, around. Yeah, a lot of rhinos. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, weird. But it's I wouldn't just, like that much. It feel, feels very destructive. Yeah. But uh, nobody kept up their yards. Nobody decided to keep up their houses. Like, everything seemed to be, all the houses seemed to be greatly in disrepair. Whereas in New Orleans, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of sketchy areas. But you can tell, at least in, like, the Garden District and places like that, people are it's keeping like, up their houses. It's like the Cedars of Dallas or something? Yeah. <laughs> Things it in just, total disrepair? We did a lot of walking around. It was very disappointing. Yeah. Like, can you, like, some people even took time. You can tell they... Took the time to paint their houses kind of crazy at one point, but then they yeah. decided, well, we're never going to do this again. Right. So everything was cracked, and the yards were, I don't know. Just, they don't care, man. They got they a lot of weed to smoke and yeah. a lot of beer to drink, okay? So I will say part of what affected our attitude, I think, was the weather was terrible the entire time we were there. Except we had two days of sunshine, uh, and one of those I went to Boulder. Yeah. And then the other one, I can't remember what happened, but... Oh, that was our last day there. So no, it's okay. ever, we finally got to Evergreen. But... You know, we plan to do all this Did you also go to Everwood? Like that. Uh, that, actually, the, the TV show Everwood was based on the town of Evergreen. Oh, okay. Was, so, yeah. was a young was not a real time. there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just constantly saying asshat over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't... Yeah. I will say, it just it reminds me a lot of Austin. The houses remind me of New Orleans, but the vibe reminds me of Austin. Okay. Uh, just kind of got that that musically, that kind of off-kilter music vibe to it, which is good. It's just that Austin does it better. I, like I don't, Austin. and I don't say that being is like pride of Texas guy. It's just true. I mean, despite Austin's traffic problems, Austin yeah. is better. It just has. It's, it's okay to not utterly hate the state you live in and think no, it has some positives. I, that's what I'm saying. Is like Austin <laughs> just does it better. For yeah. what are, I can't. I don't know what it is exactly. It, it seems you still get hip cred even if you say yeah. Texas has some positives. And, and like I said, I think it's great. I think Denver's great for a yeah. lot. Like Austin is good for young single people. Yeah, sure. The, the another big downside of Denver is there are no parking lots anywhere. Everybody parks on the street. There are, I'm, when I'm serious, you know, like, there are no parking lots, like, yeah. downtown for anything. Everybody parks on the on the curb. So it, parking is a yeah. son of a b- So you're saying they should bulldoze Paradise and put up a parking lot all over Denver. Thank you, Jimmy Buffett. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's Counting Crows, sir. 
Let's get it right. Oh, was that Counting Crows? Yes. Oh. Well, screw me. <laughs> I don't even think that's no. Counting Crows. I think they did a cover of it. What do you want to bet me? The Counting Crows did the song. All right, stop the show. Boom in your face. Joni Mitchell did it, not the Counting Crows. Originally. I said they did a cover. I, I just said you. they did it. I didn't say they did the original. No, now you owe me three KBSs nah. as a result. I will give you your leftover uh, fried no, green beans. you owe me three KBSs now. Not the deal we made. Uh, that's exactly what we made. And you owe me an air conditioning <laughs> bill. That's a joke for one. Uh, I will say that uh, you know, beer-wise, we did not get to as many breweries as I wanted to go to. Yeah. I was promised more breweries, and we didn't get that. Mm. I only got to Avery, and I got to one other called Black Shirt, which was interesting because we're big fans of locally, Pedicolis' Velvet Hammer, which is a red ale. Their brewery is entirely based on red ales. That sounds so, like a delicious brewery. And I did bring one of theirs back. According to their article, their self-promotion in their bathrooms, Men's Journal said they <laughs> had possibly the best uh, red ale on the planet. Oh, wow. So, And I haven't tried the base red ale yet, so maybe we'll do that someday. I do have a crawler red ale back. We should let Michael know. Yeah. He's got some stiff competition That's out there. Right. That's the best red ale on the planet. It was, cool. it was a cool little brewery. It was in the Rhino yeah. District. Uh, it's out where Epic is over there. And um, I think Crooked Stave, which is that's another one I want to go to and get a chance to. So it was so sad. But yeah. that's all I got to while I was there. Right. I did drink a lot of good beer because we went to you know good <laughs> beer store and picked up just random stuff. Sure. Uh, I can't tell you what to drink right now because I don't remember. Yeah. Well, you're probably high while you were drinking it. Yeah. One other place I went to I would recommend if you do go to Denver is there's a restaurant called Beatrice and Woodley. And it apparently somebody designed this restaurant to look like someone's cabin in the woods. Okay. Except it's like a deconstructed cabin, sort of. It's... Got that feel, but it's like a hipster modern take. I was on gonna it. say, so it's very hipster. Yeah, it's it, but it's got really cool decor. Right? Yeah. It's like all the uh, if you go to the everything's wood. Yeah, and if you go to the bar, the shelves where all the liquors are stocked are the the buttresses for the shelves are chainsaws. Does it, does it have any B. Arthur memorabilia? Yeah, it's all the most famous Beatrice. Yeah, it's, that's the. Yeah. It was originally named Beatrice Arthur and Woodley. Right. Okay. It, Beatrice Arthur and Shailene Woodley from <laughs> Big Little Lies. That yeah. was the full name. But it's like ah, it's a little too cumbersome. Right. So we decided to shorten it. Just yeah, just Beatrice. Now it's not really a beer place. They didn't have a lot of beer on, on stock, but they have some really. If you're into craft cocktails, hmm. that's your place to go. Uh, and I had my pat, I had pate for the first time there, and that was really good, very delicious. Oh, nice. And I will say there's a couple of things. So we went to a Virginia Spectre concert. You will say there's a couple things. I will okay. say that, well, there's a couple more things I just want to hit on. Okay. Went to a Virginia Spectre concert while we were there. I don't know if you're are you familiar with her music at all. Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. I'm loosely like there's a few of her songs I like like on the radio and I feel like she's uh, the basis for the character in Bob's Burgers where they do a food truck and they go to a festival and the girl yeah. talks about her flaming crotch or whatever. Oh, she's also the one that does the Orange Is the New Black song. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but that's I, like a more upbeat. She's yes. not normally that upbeat. No, no, she, she's very like cerebral pop. Yeah, but I say pop. It's like piano pop, classically right. inspired. A lot of discordant. A lot of tempo changes. Yep. I gotta say, we went to the Fillmore in Denver to say, and I gotta say, I've never seen a crowd so disinterested in the band they were saying. Is it as good as the Fillmore in Plano? Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's actually a cool venue. Oh, okay. It's a lot bigger. It's, well, yeah, it's know, like a yeah. proper concert venue. Gotcha. But I will say, for so there were a lot of people in this venue, and like packed elbow to ass, as Stefan would say. <laughs> and I've never seen so much disinterest in a concert. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it was almost exclusively, you know. Young hipster white people, yeah, and like nobody. There were a few people that were dancing into it. There were a lot of drunk, annoying people. So you're saying they should bulldoze that and put up a parking lot? They should, Joni Mitchell. That's right. <laughs> but it, it's just it was there was a high level of disinterest, yeah, even within the group that I was attending the concert with. <laughs> they drug you to the concert. They, yeah, I was 
I mean, she didn't play any of her good songs until the encore. Yeah. Which I'm a Did noted. she play the Orange is the New Black theme? Uh, actually, she, no, she didn't. Oh, I don't okay. think she did. So, yeah, she played, she, when the encore, she finally played all of her good songs. The rest of it, was, I, was, I was bored out of my mind. Yeah. I mean, I get, obviously, it's right for some people, and a lot of people sure, like yeah. it, but that is, not, that is not a concert for me, by any I, stretch. Fair enough. One of the two other things I'll note. Denver, every other guy has a man bun. Oh. Every other guy. I've never seen so many man buns. I never more wanted to have a machete, yeah. go behind and chop every single one off. That's not just hair jealousy. <laughs> it's just man buns are stupid. I was going to say, you could, you could grow a man bun if you wanted to. Unless you're a samurai, you're not allowed to have a man bun. It's just not allowed. Well, yeah, that's culturally acceptable there. Yeah. You should, if you want to have a man bun, you should have to go through samurai school or whatever that entails. Yeah. And carry on a katana all the time. <laughs> samurai school, yeah. And, and avenge people. Fair enough. Yeah. And then the other thing I'll note is, uh, just like every other guy has a man bun, every other person drives a Subaru there. <laughs> Either they're a Forester or an Outbook there. I, well, I guarantee Denver is Subaru's like number one market. That is a hipster outdoorsman vehicle, though. Yeah. So it makes sense they have that. It's just... I could barely, uh, the person we are with, she has a Subaru Forester. Yeah, yeah. Gray, and it was hard to, like, pick them out of a lineup. I'm like, I don't know which car is which. I was trying to park. She yeah. She saved me a parking place, because, again, no stupid parking lots anywhere. Sure, yeah. Even the businesses, a lot of them don't even have parking lots. No, that's weird. Uh, she was trying, I was like, where the hell am I supposed to go? I can't figure out which Subaru is which. Right, right. In front of her apartment building. Yep. And then uh, I will say that Denver also has to be the central location for America's favorite game show, Hipster Homeless. Sure, yeah. Because it's really hard to tell the difference there. <laughs> I Did you go out there on the street and ask? Yeah, I would not I would have failed if I were uh, playing. Are you a hipster or are you homeless? If I were guessing, it would have been almost impossible yeah. to tell. Fair enough. Which is an annoying fashion trend. Yeah. It feels like they're almost making fun of the homeless in some ways. Yeah, probably so. So that's, know, that's, that's my summer at Denver. I would never, ever move to Denver. Like Austin, I would consider moving to yeah. the outskirts. Sure. Denver is, again, it's great for a certain sect of people. It yeah. is not for me. It is not my, it's not my bag. Yeah, by any stretch, I have no appeal for that city at all, except for the the breweries themselves. Yeah, sure. Denver proper, I have has no appeal for me. But we can get most of the brewery stuff here, so you don't have to live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Denver, two, one thumb down, one thumb sideways. Uh, well, we do one out of five ratings here. Avery, uh, five stars up, one thumb sideways, and Uncle Joe's. Two stars, way up to the sky in your face. Man, I'd give the Uncle Joe's probably a three point seven five. No, out of no, five. no. This is two out of two. This is a two out of two scale, not two out of five. No, we we do five stars. I That's just said do. I'm doing I'm doing a modified two out of two scale. I'm going to do a regular rating because I'm fifty percent of the show, and that's no, what I, I'm going to rate it. I'm going to say three point seven well, five I'm, out of five. As the official uh, podcaster of the show, uh, you are one of the two podcasters <laughs> of the show. Yes, I'm modifying your scale for this one episode. You're officially half of the show. To say out of a <laughs> out of a two point scale, it gets a two flaming. Well, good for you. Up. For me, three point seven five out of five. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Brew Bloods. Uh, thanks for your support. This is episode ninety five. If you want to listen to that one was, of our, that was thank you for the support, not thank you sport. No, thank you support. I I, I, <laughs> I want to thank everybody in the sport channels of the United States. <laughs> yeah, from thank you sports, from people who stock shelves to the police and firemen yeah. to our armed service who put their lives in line every single day. I thought you said sport. So no, like you're I said like support. ESPN and Fox Sports. Oh, well, or thanks something. to sports as well. Yeah. Sports. There you go. But listen, to one of our other shows, we do a random show called The Breaker, and we can find that at BreakRoom.tv. That's the only other show. Uh, we do other shows, Thumbs of Fury. Which yeah, has been canceled. But, yeah. You can find those. Good luck. And no other current shows. Uh, if you do us a favor, at least review on iTunes. It uh, doesn't help you, but it does help other people find this show. Check it us out. It does help on you. It makes you feel good. It does. Rating a show. That's right. 
They have a solid rating scale there, unlike this exactly. show. Check us out on the social networks, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have any feedback on the show, you can email us at brewbloodshow at gmail.com, or you can call us at 469-573-BEER. That's 469-573-2337. I think I'm going to eat all your uh, fried green beans. I hope you don't mind. All right. We can butt chug those, too. Yep. All right. We'll catch you guys uh, next time on Brew Bloods. For Dustin, I'm Mark. Mark, I'm Dustin. Probst. Probst. Probst.